I know the sorrow, I know your hurt will all go away if you just say the word, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. Amen? That was a great song. Um, I, will be, my, I will be doing the scripture reading this, this morning, coming from Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It is he, it is the Lord who goes before you, and he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. That should be good. Let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, please just <laughs> let your Holy Spirit come over me because I am extremely nervous. Um, I'm, please call my nerves and help me not to talk too fast. Um, please just help everyone to get a, mes- get a message, your message that you want them to get out of my sermon that you help me write in every single way. Because I know that without you, I would not have been able to construct this. Thank you for giving me these people here on stage to help me with this. Because always better when you're in a group, right? Please just be with me and help everyone to get a message out of what you have to say through me. Amen. Amen. Okay. So... The title of my sermon is called Crossing the Proverbial Fence. One day in Bible class, my teacher said something, and I'll admit the rest of, the, the, rest of the entire class, I didn't pay any attention to him. I drew a picture in my notebook. But the one thing that he said at the beginning of class really stuck out to me and had me, starting, had me start thinking. And I was like, that'd be really interesting to elaborate on. And so it got me starting thinking about, in the end time, how some people think that there's a fence. And the verse in Revelation where it says you can either be hot nor cold. For if you are one or the other, that's fine. But if you are lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So, let me open my Bible. A person that is on the proverbial fence is someone who has a saving knowledge of God, but is attached to the world and afraid to let go. He has deceived himself into thinking that he has found the perfect balance. He is convinced that he has the best of both worlds. He believes he can act worldly and still be saved. In Matthew 6.24, it says that no one can be saved, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. With every fence, there are two sides and a middle. 
With a spiritual reference, let me say that one side is the grace of God, or the light, and the other side is sinful and worldly. And the middle is someone who knows about God's grace, but still wants to participate in worldly things. I have thought about how people tend to look at people's actions and appearances and assume that they are good or bad, kind of like judging a book by its cover. Sometimes I think of the proverbial fence like being a number line. You have positive side, which is light, zero, which is exactly in the middle, it, it doesn't choose, and negative numbers, maybe darkness. The positive side is being in the light of God. Maybe the negative side is being in the darkness of the world, not knowing him. I see the positive numbers as being holy or in God's grace. The zero is the person who's on the fence. That isn't one or the other. They haven't decided yet. And the negative number is like the person who is living 100% of the world. And the more religious events that you go to, possibly the farther you go on the positive side. And maybe the worse your actions, the more negative you become. But to know God's grace, you first need to know God. You need to form a relationship with him. Pray to him. Talk to him like he's your neighbor. All you need is faith that he hears you, that he's listening to what you're saying. In Hebrews 11:6, but without fail, it is impossible to please him. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then in Proverbs 5, then in Proverbs 3, 5, it tells us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and part from evil. You must leave behind worldly ways and sinful ideas to create a lasting relationship with God. For God sees man's true nature. He sees what is in your heart. He sees your nature. Here's a person who believes that he is in the grace of God. But how is his relationship with him? What's your name? Brand. How long have you been in the church? 20 years. How would you describe your relationship with God? I'd say it's pretty good. Probably one of the best you'll see. How many times have you ever read your Bible? Two times. Your entire life? Yeah. How often do you go to church? Every week. Have you ever missed church? I've missed church maybe 10 times in my life. I've either been sick or the weather wouldn't permit. How often do you pray? Probably about twice a month. When you do pray, what are the circumstances? Usually I'm in trouble or I need help. Is it the first thing you do? No, I guess I try and do everything I can first, and then I pray. Thank you. As you can see, just because you can go to church every week, and you sit there and show the people that go to church with you that you look like a Christian, doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. I need to drink some water. I can go talk. I'm not dehydrated, I swear. I drink a lot of water. (laughs) You can be a Christian who has gone to church for your entire life, but not even know who God really is. You don't know his power or his saving grace. Just because you look like a sheep and you talk like a sheep, it doesn't mean you are a sheep. To be one of God's sheep, you need to let him become your shepherd. You need to give him all of your insecurities and all of your faults. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Second Chronicles. You need to be actively seeking God to have a relationship with him. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 It is not what you can do, but what God can do through you. You need to let God work in you and through you. Don't think that you are good just because you look like you are on the outside. Because if you only act good so others believe you are good, are you really good? Because God doesn't look at what people see. He looks at your heart. You have a person who's on the fence. They know about God, but they don't care enough to change what they are, where they are at in their spiritual walk. Because they want to stay in the world, but go to heaven. You cannot serve two masters, for you will love one and hate the other. Let's say you have a person who grew up in the church. They knew God, but decided that maybe God just got in their way. For some reason, they left the church at a young age. Maybe the people there were looking at them differently for their decisions. Maybe they didn't make the best decisions. So they decided that if they left the church, they wouldn't have to feel bad for how they acted. They go about their business trying to be good, trying to be a good person, from their point of view, of course. But they turn their back on God. They party and they drink. But they haven't killed anyone. They donate to the needy and volunteer at soup kitchens once or twice a month. They feel like they're good enough to get to heaven. But for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are, here, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, 8-10. No matter how good we think we are, what we do to prove that to people, nothing we do will be the reason we are saved. But it is by the grace of God and the faith that we have in him that we will be saved. Jesus, Jesus said in Luke that those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Because of this, the person who grew up knowing about God but no longer believes that they need to have a relationship with him to be saved, they can save themselves by how they act and the good deeds that they do. They just believe that the good will outweigh the bad in the end. Let's ask some questions to a person who went to church as a child but then got older and you could say grew out of church. What's your name? Claire. How long were you in the church? Until around the time I was 15. Why did you leave? None of my friends went. Some people at my school made fun of the fact that I still went to church. Did you pray about leaving before you left? No, I thought spending my time at church was such a waste of time and, you know, those type of functions. I just didn't care for it. Why did you decide to leave? Uh, one day I was invited to go somewhere with my friends on Saturday, and I realized that I had so much fun there than I did in church. So, did you completely stop going after that? Well, I would go for, like, Christmas because, you know, I really liked the music. Did you enjoy going when you were younger? Yeah, but I felt like I just outgrew it. 
How would you describe your relationship with God is? I've known about God my entire life. He was just like this person I had to try and please, and anything I did wasn't going to be good enough. My relationship definitely isn't anything to be proud about. Thank you. She thinks she has the perfect balance, but there isn't a perfect balance. Because if you've not chosen a side, you've already not chosen God's side. You cannot work your way into heaven because it's by great, it's by God's grace that you will leave the fence and go into his presence. There are three sides to every fence. I did say that. We've, looked in, we've taken a look at two of them, the light and the middle. But what about the third, darkness, being of the world? They believe that God is a vengeful being, someone who punishes and kills people for fun. They believe that if they are going to be killed, whether they're good or bad, there's no reason for them to try and be good. Let us say that this third person is living 100% of the world. They enjoy taking part in every aspect of the world. The only power that they believe in is the justice system. And if you get caught then it's up to humans to decide your fate. This person could have done drugs, maybe killed people. Maybe they steal cars, or they borrow but never give anything back. Maybe they sell drugs. Maybe they have the cops in their pocket. Maybe they are a powerful influence in the people around them. But they're living and doing everything they want to. They are never going to have a regret, because according to them, they are living the way they want to, and there's no reason they should change. Let's ask some questions to this person, who lives how they want to and have no regard for others. What's your name? Sylvia. In your opinion, who is God? He's the being that killed everyone except for one family. Uh, favorism. Have you ever gone to church? Once, when I was 17, but no one paid attention to me. The kid, I was a kid with the torn-up clothes. Do you have any family? Not anymore. Why do you do what you're doing? Because my parents were killed and no one did anything. No one cared about me, so I decided that no one cared about me. So why should I care about anyone other than myself? Do you ever feel bad for your actions? No, why should I? Why do you get up every morning? I just do. Where do you see yourself in five years? Honestly, probably arrested. Would your family be proud of the person you become? Um, probably not. They raised me to be better. Did your parents believe in God? Yeah, but if there was a God that actually cared about me, then why did he let them die? Thank you. As you can see, she has the wrong image of God. She believes that God is the one who took her family away. But John 10.10, 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. The I is referring to Jesus, the Son of God, for the devil is the destroyer. Have you ever seen the people around you change? Because people change every single day. Small changes happen over long periods of time. Depending on who you associate with, you can change for the better or for the worse. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
If we have God in our lives and our relationships, we will start to change into his image. Claire is still standing on the fence, but she woke up one day and decided that she wanted to go to church. She goes and remembers how she used to enjoy it. Everyone at the church was so happy to see a new face. No one judged her for her appearance. She even got invited to the Bible study that they have once a week. She kept going back to church and decided that she wants to get baptized. She's constantly working on her relationship with God. (laughs) She loves learning more about him, and she learns that God will always love her. She has, a re- she has a real relationship with God that is greater than the size of a mustard seed. One day, Sylvia, still living in the world, walked by and saw someone she used to party with, Claire. They started talking, and Claire invited her old friend to go to church with her. Week after week of being told no, Claire didn't give up. She kept praying and asking God to impress upon her friend's heart so that she would go to church with her at least once. Maybe what she heard that one time she went would change her life forever. After a while, months of being told no, Claire was almost, almost ready to give up when one day Sylvia Sylvia called her and asked if the offer of going to church was still open. Claire was so happy that her friend was going to go to church with her that she thanked God for opening her friend's heart. After Sylvia and Claire went to church, Sylvia wanted to go back, so they did. Now they were both going to the Bible studies. They were volunteering to help in the service. But most importantly, it's not what you do, but your relationship. They were both working harder than ever to build that relationship that they had with God. One day, Sylvia told Claire that she was invited to this party, this really big party. She really wanted to go, but it took place on a Sabbath. Sylvia was going to have to decide whether going to a party was more important than her promised engagement to God. Sylvia asked Claire, I'm invited to this party, and it takes place on Saturday. What should I do? Claire only told her, You need to pray about it. I hope that you will be at church, but it is your relationship with God. Sylvia prayed about it and then decided that she didn't want a worldly event getting in the way of an eternity with God. While these two young people are growing closer to God, there is someone who is starting to fall away into the darkness of the world. Although... He goes to church every week. He, his relationship with God is worse than ever. Because it isn't the building that is the relationship with God. And it isn't the people that are in that building that make the relationship with God. It is the time you spend in God's word. It is the trust that you have in God. That is what a relationship with God is. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In the end, no one will be left undecided. For, mm, for all will have heard of God and made their decision. No matter where you start, 
having an active relationship with God is the only reason you will be in a better place in the end. God doesn't judge us on our actions. He knows our motives behind those actions, whether we are doing it so our neighbor thinks we're good people. Maybe we, we see someone on the side of the road, but there are cars behind us, so we stop, so they think that we are good. But then they drive away, and we just drive away with them. As humans, we tend to be selfish and do things that make us look better to our peers. There's no number line. It's just being in God's grace, or the light, and being a part of the world, or being in darkness. Bow your heads with me, please. Dear Lord, I think I did a pretty good job, but I know that you had a lot to do with it. Please help these people to get, if anything, just a little tidbit of what you had me say. Help them to understand that it's not with what they do, but with what they do through you, what you do through them. Just help everyone to take something away from this sermon that you helped me write. Help us all to grow closer to you in our everyday actions and what we choose to do. Help us not to do what we think is right because we want to look good, but help us to do what we think is right because we think it is right because of what you did in the Bible and the stories that you shared and the actions that you had. Amen.